In the spring of 2021, Mickey Weems was diagnosed with stage 4 prostate cancer and was given 6 to 12 months to live. This episode was recorded in May of 2022. My name is Donna Blanchard. While we recognize that Mickey is dying, we'd like to welcome you to another day of his life. Welcome to another day of your life, Mickey Weems. Howdy. Hi. This is your life. You know, in the last episode, we talked about... Oh, wait. I'm sorry. I'm forgetting myself. How are you feeling emotionally right now? I'm doing okay. Yeah. Okay. We, we had some frustration with our, our microphone, so how are you feeling? I'm feeling frustration for, for that because I enjoy our conversations. I hate to have anything interrupt them. You're doing better Me than too. I am. You have a zen about you, a zen calmness. Um, so following up on our last uh, episode, uh, you talked about your friend who did... Uh, chemotherapy and you cho- and you chose not to both of you with the same um, prostate cancer uh, when it comes to the the targeted radiation that you have uh, I, I'm sure that's quite individual as well what uh, what you get with that do you were there any differences between what your doctor told you to expect and what you actually got yes it was worse but there are results, you know, and I'm a results kind of guy. So that was fine. Yeah. So when you, oh, uh, I beg your pardon, go ahead. Please. When you go through that uh, treatment, what, what can you, what do you do for your body to bring yourself back? Cause you have a rough few days after that treatment, right? Yes. Yeah take lots of naps, force myself to get up, force myself to do something, anything, take out the rubbish, anything, just get up and move, go downstairs and buy milk. Cause we have a, um, a, um, a long drugs at the, at the base of our building. Um, just, just become active. The main thing is just, just to force myself to stand up. Oh, okay. And then, then you can go on from there and until yes. you take another nap and until exactly habit habit is good habit will i thought that i would get bored with routine but routine is actually my friend Mm. so um i like it now like when i go to the gym there's definite things that i do every time but that's supposed to be part of the human condition right that routine hey i gave up coffee for a year and i missed the routine not the coffee Actually, there is a ritual with it. Um, by the way, a big shout out to UFC, the gym that I go to. The uh, <laughs> this is a good gym. Uh, big shout out to um, the workers there, who are good as gold. Um, Emma and Danielle, especially. Oh, nice. So I go in, and I'll do either one of four workouts: um, legs, chest, back, shoulders, or arms. And I will try to do at least three different exercises of um, three full sets each, which includes a warm-up set. So that would be four sets. Um, And then three, you know, actually doing the workout. After that, I will be on the stationary bike for five minutes. 
and then I will do five minutes abs. Six times a week. Yep. You go in. And how long does all of that take? About 45 minutes. Oh, okay. Doesn't take that terribly long. Um, sometimes it takes longer if you start talking with people, you know, because it, it is a social scene. But a lot of times everybody's concentrating on the workout and you just go in, you get it done, you go home. You go in the same time every day? Negative. It, it all depends upon how long I play on the computer with Twitter and Facebook and try to record the observations from what's happening, the, the epiphanies that I try to bring to the show. Oh, nice. Are you recording those elsewhere or you're putting them into social media? To prompt Leave yourself? Into social media. Uh, and uh, I have friends that um, I've asked to put those into uh, a website. So um, that gives me incentive to try to say something interesting. And of course, it being on Facebook and on uh, Twitter, then I can get feedback from people as to whether or not they like it. Yeah. And that helps. So, you know, to have an audience to test drive everything. Nice. Yeah, you have some very active conversations there, yep. too. And I, and I firmly believe, before I, the reason I knew about your prognosis was because of your Facebook posts that, that mm. I definitely wanted to engage in. The first one that really got me was the lilies, that you picture your cancer as these beautiful yellow lilies inside you. I'd never heard anything like that before. And I thought, oh, it's so comforting. It helps me so much um, because I've decided to embrace, you know, people say you've got to fight. You've got to fight the cancer. I'm taking a different path. And if other people are fighting it, I say, fight away, do it. But uh, for me, it's like uh, the cancer is me. It comes from me. So therefore, it's not something alien to me. Um, they're my cells. And if that's what the universe has ordained for me, then I'm, I'm definitely good for it. But then again, I told you, I, I made a deal with the universe about that. And the deal was, as long as I can lift, as long as I can dance, as long as I can be of service and move by my own strength, then I will, um, I will continue to live and not um, end my life before that. Because, of course, I do have the option to end my life whenever I choose. That happens with people that are, that are terminal. They, they have the right to, right to um, what's it, aid, medical aid in dying. We are allowed to have that here in Hawaii. And that's an option that I've taken. So um, as long as those conditions are met, then um, I will not take that medication. Uh, what the universe has done is they've kind of the universe has doubled down. It keeps on throwing beauty at me, keeps on throwing fun, interesting people my way. Um, and it, that tethers me, that tethers me to this world. So, um, yeah, I'm not in a hurry. Dr. Okazaki said in April that I had six months or less. He says that with the, prog with the way that I look now, because I just saw him this Friday, he said that I will definitely make it through the summer. So um, I would imagine, God willing, that it's possible I could be here to see the new year. But, you know, it, it, there's, 
I cannot guarantee any of that. And I know better because for a while there, it was like every week it was something new. Every week there was something going wrong. There was a different thing going, you know, going bad. There's a different pain. There was a different embarrassment. Um, but now it's because I've had it for, you know, in, in full condition, in full-fledged, you know, um, stage four cancer. I've had a year under my belt so I can see the repetition of what's going to happen, you know. And um, it's it looks like I'm going to make it through the summer fairly easily. I'll be, I'll be here in the fall. And maybe, you know, inshallah, I can be here and see the new year. Because we're, I mean, you're already beating the odds, right? When you initially got your diagnosis, you were given six to 12 months and you've already surpassed that 12. Yeah. Do you have any, have you thought about the circuit? So you've made this contract with yourself as long as I can lift and as long as I can go dancing, I'm going to stick around have you thought about what if you were working on a project that you felt really was important and enjoyable, uh, but you had to cut down on the lifting and the dancing? Have you thought about those, how are you going to make that decision? Like this project. Well, then I meet people like Hunter who I bonded with last Friday and he tells me that he's going to be deployed in Japan until December 13th bastard, <laughs> which means I got to stick around because he does want to see me again. And I do love him that much that I would love for that to happen. So I will do my damnedest to, to, to stick around for him for the, for the, for the sake of this man. Mm-hmm. And it's not just him because Noel is also saying, you know, what, why are you in a hurry? You, there are things you need to accomplish. But when I lose functions, all bets are off. I'm going. Um, it, it'll be my Al Mustafa moment where, from um, the Prophet, where Al Mustafa is looking out over the sea and he sees his ship coming, and he looks at it with longing and he says, "How, how long? I'm, I'm, I cannot wait to get on board this thing." <sighs> the one thing that has brought me major, major comfort was a revisiting of a book that I had read eons ago the prophet by khalil gibran um the lebanese christian who wrote this amazing short book of advice for people um it is it is his magnum magnum opus um it's not necessarily the only thing that actually it's not the only thing that he wrote and it's not necessarily even the best thing that he wrote but it's good it's real good and it's really accessible and it says some brilliant things in it and the opening of it the very first scenes of it are what really really strike home for me right now I'm going to read you an abridged version of that first of that opening scene. Okay. It's, it's before he talks to the people. It's when he's looking out to sea, waiting for his ship to come in. Okay, so. Al-Mustafa, the chosen and the beloved, who was a dawn unto his own day, had waited 12 years in the city of Orphalese for his ship that was to return and bear him back to the isle of his birth. And on the 12th year, on the seventh day of Yelu, the month of reaping, He climbed the hill without the city, without the city walls, and looked seaward, and he beheld his ship coming with the mist. Then the gates of his heart were flung open, and his joy flew far over the sea, and he closed his eyes and prayed in the silences of his soul. But he descended the 
But as he descended the hill, a silent, a sadness came upon him, and he thought in his heart, How shall I go in peace and without sorrow? Nay, not without a wound in the spirit shall I leave this city. Long were the days of pain I have spent within its walls, and long were the nights of aloneness. And who can depart from his pain and his aloneness without regret? Too many fragments of the spirit I have scattered in these streets, and too many are the children of my longing that walk naked among these hills, and I cannot withdraw from them without a burden and an ache. It is not a garment I cast off this day, but a skin that I tear with my own hands. Nor is it a thought I leave behind me, but a heart made sweet with hunger and with thirst. Yet I can tarry no longer. The sea that calls all things unto her calls me, and I must embark. Now when he reached the foot of the hill, he turned again towards the sea, and he saw his ship approaching the harbor, and upon her prow the mariners, the men of his own land. And his soul cried out to them, and he said, Sons of my ancient mother, you riders of the tides, how often have you sailed in my dreams, and now you come in my awakening, which is my deeper dream. Ready am I to go, and my eagerness with sails full set awaits the wind. Only another breath will I breathe in this still air, only another loving look cast backward, and then I shall stand among you, a seafarer among seafarers. And you, vast sea, sleepless mother, who alone are peace and freedom to the river and the stream, only another winding will the stream make, only another murmur in this glade, and then I shall come to you, a boundless drop to a boundless ocean. There's a lot there. Now you see why I love it so much. Yeah. I boy, I haven't read that in so long. Now you make me want to read it again. I um this is gonna sound trite compared to that, but I was uh talking with someone who was moving and didn't like the place they were moving from, but still felt sad about leaving it because so much of her life was in that place in in one year of being in that place you leave so much do you um have any fear that that you won't be able to um choose that moment do you, do you have any fear that you're going to um delay it longer than right now you want to if the universe chooses to take me before i can have the option that's fine it's okay um to have this option is good and it's great for dramatic effect (laughs) it's great to have something a, a means to say goodbye to the people that i love all of that's wonderful, but if that gets taken, if if I you know die before that moment, sure. <laughs> yeah, I'm good with it. I've I've told you before that surrender makes no sense to me because people told me you have to surrender, and I say to them that word is not it doesn't resonate with me. The only thing I surrender to is pleasure, and. Mm. If when the universe calls me, either when it's the time of my choosing or a time of the universe's choosing, 
doesn't matter because to me there is insanely great pleasure in the thought. I'm like, I'm like that, that. That's why I love Al Mustafa. He's looking out at that boat and he's saying, "What? Yes, you know, even even though he's he knows he's got to take care of some business before he goes, he is so ready to go. The only thing that's holding him back is his love for the people of Orphalis. That's it. He wants to jump on board and just get you know, hell on. Um, so I'm 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 at, I'm at that. I've been at that stage for a while, and I've expressed this to you before. That part of me just just part of me just yearns for it so much. But the universe keeps on throwing beauty at me, as I said. The universe keeps on throwing pleasures at me that I didn't know existed. That's the weird thing, you know, that that all that this world is a garden of delights. This world is a, is a source of wonder. Um, the, the nearer I approach death, the more it intermingles with life and Basically, it acts as a background where life is is dancing and becoming every more beautiful every every day. We should all be living as well as you are dying, Mickey. <laughs> uh, well, trust me, it wasn't this way before I was dying. Okay, so before yeah. it was like I was involved, you know, enwrapped in the everyday stuff. But um, there's something to be said about the Socratic idea that you know, that as, as a philosopher, what you do is you prepare for death. That 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 is the background by which you live. Um, I'm, I get it. Yeah. Uh, what's your biggest fear right now? That I'm not as genuine as I can possibly be. You know, you've mentioned before uh, a fear of not being worthy. Yeah. Um, how could you prove to yourself that you are? I can't. <laughs> yeah. Um, so part of me, go ahead. I mean, so this is a conversation I have with my <laughs> therapist. Uh, you see the evidence of the love around you and you see the evidence in the love around you that we wouldn't be around you were you not a genuine person. How could we if we didn't feel that? You guys and all the other people that I love are the gauge by which I can measure my worth. Well, we're here. So there you go. And, you know, that's that's the weird thing about it, because maybe it has to do with my raising, but I honestly believe that my ability to act in the next world depends upon these next few weeks, depends upon these next couple of months. Um, I can't screw this up. I've got to constantly improve. I cannot slow down on that. I can't say, well, I'm there, because if I do, then that's a huge mistake. And I know it because there's so much work to be done. And, and are you able, but you're able to pair that with the rest that you need. I mean, you do have to take your disco naps. Yeah. And um, it's, it's just that I've really got to listen to people. I've got to... I've got to give them a break. I've got to not not be too negative. Um, 
you know, you have, all of us must establish boundaries that people cannot cross. You know, otherwise, the you know, you'll, you'll feel like you run ragged. But at the same time, I got to be gentle when I do this. Yeah. It was you have to be genuine with yourself. Yeah. As well. Do you feel like you weren't improving constantly before your diagnosis? I was I was trying. But it doesn't have quite the same urgency. <laughs> it yeah. doesn't have quite the same oomph, right, to, to do it. And it doesn't have the same physiological crap <laughs> that I go through um, to remind me um, every day. One of the things a very dear friend of mine, uh, a MAGA friend of mine, as a matter of fact, somebody who politically I do not agree with one bit, he um, sent me dog tags. I'll show them to you right now. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm holding up two dog tags with, with my um, affiliation as a Marine, with my date, my full name, and my religious affiliation, which I put down as Sufi. Um, there are two of them because one of them, the one that's on this short chain, so you can see two of them. One of them is on, both of them are on the long chain, but one of them is on a short chain. The one that's on the short short chain will go over my big toe after I die. To you know, it's uh, it's something you do in the military that if somebody dies, then you take one of the dog tags and you put them over their big toe so you can identify them. I'm doing that, and I'm wearing them pretty much constantly now, because I come from a family of soldiers of of, of military people that goes back at least three generations. I'm a Marine. My dad was Army and Navy. My grandfather was Army. You have ancestors that fought in the Civil War on both sides. So I don't know how far back our military service goes, but I knew, do know it's substantial on the, on the, on the male line, that, um, that um, on my father's line, in the paternal line, that the strong, strong military presence. Um, and I'm connecting with that. I'm trying to connect, especially with my father and my grandfather. Okay. Uh, I'm afraid we have to wrap up this episode, but we're going to come back to that in the next one. H- how you are doing that. Okay. Okay. So hold that thought. Thank you, Mickey. I'm Donna Blanchard. James Charisma is our producer. Susan Wright is our content advisor, PR agent, and support team member. Music generously donated by Kainani Kahaunaele from her Hoku Award-winning album, Waipunale. We're all here to support our friend Mickey and help him help all of us to learn about living while dying.